You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Now, normally we don't really get into politics on this show, but in this case, we're making an exception. Uh, In this episode, Dr. Tara Rasta shares her experience and knowledge about the current state of Iran and some of the events that have led to widespread protests in Iran against the Islamic regime. She explains the history behind the famous slogan, Women, Life, Freedom, and describes the life of a typical Iranian woman under the Islamic regime. She speaks of the importance of protecting freedom and democracy, and in the role of Gen Z in creating the spark for this unrest as Iranians enter their sixth week of being on the streets and fighting for their freedom. Currently, there are many students and women who have been killed, most under the age of 18, simply because they were protesting for their fundamental human rights. Now, just a warning here, some of the things discussed in this episode are pretty brutal. Uh, so just be advised, you know, consider this a trigger warning. Uh, and if you're interested in getting in touch with Dr. Tara Rasta, you can email her at dr.tararasta, that's T-A-R-A-R-A-S-T-A, at gmail.com. All right, let's get into it. Well, good evening, Satch. Good evening, Carlos. We have a wonderful guest tonight, a dear friend of ours, Tara. Good evening. Good evening, Carlos and Satch. Yeah. Thank you for having me here again. Yes, this is your Thank second you. time on the show. Yes. And, and I actually never thought I would be talking about this issue. I know. Because I don't I know. like to be political. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is not normally a show that uh, gets into politics. Right. This is a show about um, uh, health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. And I think tonight is not really about politics. It's about the quest for excellence. Absolutely. But we cannot talk about it without touching on politics and, and other things that are normally not to be brought up in polite conversation. Yes, because in the pursuit of excellence, there can be things that get in the way of the pursuit of excellence. Right? Right. Um, Tell us about this curious phrase, Zan Zandegi Azadi. Zan Zandegi Azadi, which stands for Woman Life Freedom. It's a slogan that thousands of Iranians are using across the country, in here in America, in Berlin, in all the countries around the world, which is representing the movement that's going on in Iran. And a lot of times people may think that this is a feministic slogan that has started, but actually it dates back to Kurdish movement. Um, Kurdish independence movement and uh, a man named Abdullah Olakron who wrote uh, a book or an article called Liberating Woman that talks about and invites women that in order for us to have true revolution, true revolution, we need the radical revolution of women and invites women from uh, all sorts of classes to come and join the revolution because he believes that if women don't join the revolution, it's not going to be a radical revolution because we need women to change the mentality of men um, for their freedom. And it comes from uh, the fact that Mahsa Amini, who was a Kurdish girl, her uh, Kurdish name is Gina, um, was murdered when she came to Tehran for a vacation. She's a 22-year-old girl who comes from Kurdistan to Iran just for a simple vacation. She's with her brother, and she is arrested because she was showing a little bit of hair. She was, still has her, her, jo- her veil or her hijab, but she's showing a little bit of her hair. 
And when she gets arrested and they're trying to put her in the police car, she resists because she's like, I don't want you to take me. I'm here for a vacation. And the mortality police. Um, oh, morality police. Um, yes, sorry. Gotcha. Morality police yeah. uh, hits her head. Ended up being the, the mortality police. <laughs> they, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was a, that was so a that was, perfect slip. That was a perfect yeah. slip, yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. The morality police hits her head against the car. She has a concussion. She goes into the police station and she passes out in the police station. She ends up at the hospital and three days later she dies. And the officials or the authority of the Islamic regime says that she just had a heart attack. Right, a 22-year-old girl. Right. And her parents, uh, they're very courageous, and they go ahead and say, no, she never had any heart issues. She was killed by the police. And at her funeral, the slogan, Woman, Life, Freedom, which is the Kurdish phrase, it gets very popularized. And this is the first time in our history in Iran that we see all these ethnic groups come together, mm. and they're saying the same slogan, Zendegi, Azadi. Woman, Life, Freedom. Yeah. I love it. And you're wearing the shirt tonight, which is in support of Masa Amini. Yes. yes. And it says, which means that if we fight, we will die, we will take back Iran. And um, wow. in the middle, it says, hashtag Masa Amini, because she's now symbolizing all the abuse that women have been experiencing in the past 40 years and even before that. Well, j just to. I mean, that's, that's a terrible story, um, but it's important that we hear the story, right? Because we need to know that this is not just happening to one person. It's a horrible thing that happened, but it's happening to all women in Iran, in, yeah. in a way. And by extension, um, it affects all of us. Uh, you, know, you know, we all, us men have, have uh, mothers and sisters and daughters, and we can't exist without the feminine. Uh, it doesn't work like that, you know, so... Um, my question to you is, you know, obviously I know a little bit about Iran, but there are so many people who don't know what it's like there. Yeah. You grew up there. I grew up there. I was born there and I came here when I was 14. Mm -hmm. And, uh, because it was so traumatic living there the past 18 years that I've been in America, I almost wanted to kind of bury my memories of Iran and like, I feel like I associated myself with my, more of my American identity. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, after this movement, I had a reawakening. And I realized that, wow, I'm actually very attached to my Iranian identity. I'm very attached to my people. I'm moved by the people. And uh, as someone who didn't like to be associated with politics because my dad was in Evan prison for 10 years. That's right. Uh, he was a political activist. So I didn't want it to be associated with politics because I thought politics is bad. They, when you get involved with politics, it means that you will sacrifice your life and you will sacrifice your family's right because that's what I experienced. But now I realize that there is no way that uh, we can move forward without being involved in politics because freedom is a gift but it's not given to you. It's something that we constantly need to defend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It slides away too easily no matter where you are. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we're witnessing it even here in America. And honestly, I didn't realize it until this happened in Iran that, oh, even here, we lost some of our rights within the past two years. And I have been so passive about it because I'm thinking I'm here in America, there are checks and balances. Uh, but then at the same time, now that I'm more awakened, I can see that if we don't, defend our freedom, it will be taken away. Yeah. And 
um, you know, a, a lot of people, including me, uh, are not very familiar with uh, Iranian history and uh, the way the government is set up. Um, but from what I understand, uh, Iran, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is a place where it wasn't always like the way it is right now. Right. Right. So, so this is a place that can show that, um, you know, exactly what you're talking about, that those freedoms actually, uh, were a little better at one point, right. Or, or, or hasn't, hasn't, uh, the system in Iran changed a lot, like since the seventies and up, up until now, um, <clears throat> how has it got to this point? Yeah. So it's a really good question. Um, during the Shah, which was uh, right before the revolution of the Islamic Republic, we had monarchy in Iran. Um, and Shah really wanted to westernize Iran. He wanted to modernize Iran. Um, but during his time, he was really afraid of communism. So as a result of being afraid of communism, he uh, was a dictator in a way as well, even though he did a lot of good things, I believe, for the country. I didn't live there back then, so I'm only speaking from what I've read. Um, he... Uh, allowed the clergy to have a lot of power. So this is, so we had this um, group called ulama, which is the ulama is mullahs, so people who know a lot of knowledge about Islam. And we have ayatollahs, people who, have, uh, who are leaders in the Islamic um, religion. And he actually allowed for these groups to be, um, to have their organization, even though he was really suppressing all the other political organizations. So he gave a lot of power to them because he thought that if they are by his side, then they are going to be a force against communism during the Cold War. And what's interesting is that same group was the one that uprised against him. Mm -hmm. um, so during uh, around 1963, Shah created something called the White Revolution. And the White Revolution was supposed to make the country economically, uh, modernize the country and make, the, make it economically better. So he actually got a bunch of lands that belonged to a minority of people that only farmers worked on it. And he gave the land to 2.5 million people, wow. to the farmers. And he created a campaign against illiteracy. And he was creating uh, lots of schools and teachings in the rural areas of Iran where people didn't have much education. And he was the one who gave the right for a woman to vote. And he allowed women to be part of political groups. And the clergy saw this as a threat because they thought that if... Clearly. Huh. Yeah, if people are more educated, if people have the rights to travel, if women are all of a sudden becoming part of the government, then we are going to lose power. Mm. And this is a time that Khomeini comes in and he talks, you know, clearly against the Shah and he says, he says his government should be overthrown. And this is a time that, you know, um, uh, he gets arrested at some point. He's exiled to Najaf in Iraq. And uh, people are demonstrating in the streets, saying his name. Um, and they're basically rising up against Shah. And we had this movement basically um, start around um, 19, after the White Revolution around 1963 and onward until 1979, where the Shah uh, leaves the country. But what is also interesting, the reason that people, one of the reasons that people were against him was because they didn't want monarchy, they wanted democracy. Mm -hmm. They wanted, they didn't want <laughs> one autocratic government that basically rules the entire country. They wanted representation, yeah. a voice. Yes, and they felt like Shah had a lot of um, 
connections with the West, and they felt like um, the Shah was giving a lot of our oil to the West. And one of the reasons uh, was because during Shah's father uh, regime, mm-hmm. um, Reza Pahlavi, um, he uh, one of the things that he did was he was forcing, again, modernization on people. He was asking women to take off his job. He actually forced women to take off his job, which upset a lot of wow. uh, c- clergy and people as well. Because sure. people, cause so he Islam, forbade it. Right, right. Because Islam has been in the country. It's, it's entrenched in our culture and in our tradition. Um, but also during, uh, in 1953, I, I, I believe that oil became, uh, became um, uh, like a big commodity. Yes. Uh, well, we had uh, we had a huge industry in um, petroleum, and Mossadegh, which was the prime minister at the time, uh, he uh, nationalizes the industry, and this really makes the British intelligences and British country very upset because they own s- stakes of the oil industry. So before that, it was British petroleum that was Correct. in there, right? You said fourteen percent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They had a significant amount of money coming out of that country. Right. So. Once that happens, people are obviously really happy that the oil is becoming uh, more for the people. And instead of us giving the oil to British, we're going to keep it to the country. Uh, British intelligences and CIA create, engineer this coup that overthrows Mossadegh and this whole idea. So people become very um, bitter about the West and about United States. And they, and this is another reason that they don't like Shah because they're thinking that he has a lot of connection to the West. He's giving our money to the West. He's uh, creating these elaborate parties for the West. So a lot of people are becoming upset with him. They think he's a dictator. And at the same time, the clergy, the, uh, the, the mullahs and the ayatollahs are getting a lot of power and Khomeini is getting a lot of power. And because Shah banned the book that Khomeini wrote when he was in Najaf, which in his book, he talks about his radical Islamic ideas. Because the book was banned, people really didn't know who really Khomeini was and what his ideas were really about. You're saying he shot himself in the foot. Exactly. Because if he had allowed that to be circulated, then at least there'd be some public dialogue uh, decrying or denouncing some of the things that the Ayatollah was or Khomeini was saying. Right. Uh, But because they didn't have that that book, um, they were clueless. They just thought, what? What did they think? Well, also when you hide something, right? When you like exile someone, it makes you look guilty. It just makes them look better as yeah, well. So all of a true. sudden, people were fascinated with Khomeini. They and he, you know, he was very smart. He but didn't talk about. They saw about, him as a liberator, right? Yeah, someone and, who was going to bring right. equality and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And he talked about bringing equality, and he talked about making gas and electricity free for Iran. And what his he was he was a genius because yeah. um, he never talked about his radical Islamic ideas in his cassettes that he was recording in Iraq and sending to Iran or in his speeches, even though he had this idea. From France, right? Well, he was in Iraq first, oh, okay. and then he w- he and then w- and I think there was a deal with Iran and Iraq, and then he was sent to France. But he had a lot of followers over there as well. And he had a, um, and he would record these cassettes. They would send it to Iran. It would circulate between people. And he really focused on poverty mm. and the students of Iran, and even some people who were not very Islamic or they were not for Islam. They were their followers because they saw Khomeini as a spiritual teacher. Wow. And you know, once they had only part of the story, though. That is true. Yeah. 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 And once he came to power, then 
He created Velayat al-Faqih, which is basically the supreme court of Iran. He created a lot of Islamic laws. Religious in, court, right? Yeah, yeah. He created this constitution that included a lot of uh, radical Islamic laws. He forced hijab on people, and that's how we are here, Satch. And that's how that's, we got here. Yeah, that's okay. how we went from women having their freedom, being mm -hmm. able to travel without the permits of their husbands, so now they can only travel outside a country if their dad or their brother or their husband gives them permission. We went from you know, not having a dress code and being able to wear whatever we want into wearing that we have to have a dress code and there is all these instructions of what you need to do, how you need to dress when you have a job. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think a lot of people uh, that are not familiar with that part of the world have this mistaken idea that, oh, well, it's always been that way. It hasn't been that way no. you know, the whole time. It's been this only that a, way for the past 43 years. Yeah, which is a relatively recent you know, uh, development. Um, so this is exactly what we're discussing is that those freedoms were there and those freedoms have been taken away. Mm -hmm. And now this young lady on vacation was struck in the head by the morality police and died. And this movement is now happening right now as we're talking, right? Yeah. This, is, this is going on right now. This is uh, what, late October in 2022? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have moved into the fifth week of people being on the streets. Mm -hmm. And there's rioting there. There's still rioting um, there. people cutting off their hair. They're not going to work. Um, there's a strike in uh, Burning petroleum. Burning their jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, there, there, there's a lot of unrest in universities and in schools. And even a six-year-old are chanting Woman Life Freedom, which is those videos I keep posting because I just... It reminds me that this is what we're fighting for, mm -hmm. because they even know that they don't want this government. Is this, in your opinion, the pivotal time or era for Iran to make a change in a big way? I think so. Yeah, because I've never, we've never seen this huge of a movement. I haven't. I've never seen so many Iranians in in Orange County to gather and to be protesting every weekend for the rights of their countrymen in Iran. I didn't even know that we had this many Iranians in Orange County until I uh, partaked in protest. I didn't know that we would be so united. I've never seen the, mm. the type of um, united feelings we're having now than ever. Every, every one of us are participating because in school, the history that was taught to us was so um, different. There was a lot of lies that was taught to us. We had a lot of religious class. Mm -hmm. um, this is the first time that I'm learning about Iran and I'm learning about my history. And in a way, I really feel ignorant. And, I'm, and I was telling Ferry today, I said, I'm kind of mad at my parents. Why didn't they teach me mm -hmm. what happened? Mm -hmm. And now and thank God for um, social media and Google and all these places that I can go and learn. But this is the first time that I'm, I'm also learning so much about my country and so much about my history. Mm -hmm. There's so many misconceptions, I think, um, people in the West have, and particularly America. Um, you know, there is even a, a lack of differentiation between countries. And, you know, that's a classic flaw, I think, in, in, in a lot of American uh, schooling is that, you know, it's not that expectation to know the difference between the countries and how, what languages they speak and all, all the basic uh, civic knowledge. Um, so that must be... Uh, interesting to kind of sift through um, 
the conceptions and misconceptions that Americans might have about your culture, right? Right. One of the things that you guys may not know is that Iran has a lot of different ethnic groups. Mm. And we have many different languages within Iran. So we have Mozandarani, and we have Lord, and we have Kurd, and we have Arabs, and we have Turks. And what's really cool and what is different about this movement is that all these groups are coming together because for the longest time, uh, we were hypnotized in a way mm -hmm. and we were programmed that we should be against each other because I'm from Tehran and you're from Kurdistan so we're very different mm -hmm. and there were a lot of jokes even created to put all these different ethnic groups down uh, growing up I would hear it but now all these ethnic groups have come together wow. and they're using a really cool strategy for their protest because when there is an unrest in Tehran the next day the unrest is in some other cities and people are very um spread out so mm -hmm. that it's really it has become very difficult for the government to uh you know to to battle to go into battle with these groups because they're 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 very smart the way they're doing it is very different now than they would be before before they would just all be together at the same streets now it they're it's small groups all over the place at different that's, cities that's that's a tactic uh, that has been very effective in military strategies right for for a long time right exactly <laughs> that's great so what's really cool is that people are being really brave by risking their lives and risking getting in big trouble and if not dying yeah. in some cases yeah, absolutely. to go against uh, a greater foe that has its teeth bared right now. Yeah. This is the first time we're seeing actresses and actresses and athletes and singers. They're all uprising and they're all in their social media are speaking about this. And uh, we had one of these, one of our athletes, um, that you know, she went ahead and she did her climbing um, sport in Olympic in Asia without her hijab. And we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen so many courageous people uh, coming out, so many of our actresses coming out without their hijab, talking on Instagram, talking about how they hate this government, how they don't want this government, how this is an end to their government. Mm. And this is powerful. How dangerous is this for those people to do that? It's very dangerous. They're, they're mainly being arrested. I mean, uh, there is a song, Baroya, which is for, and that Sherwin wrote. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful it song. Beautiful. It has become the anthem so song beautiful. of this revolution. They're playing it out at all the cafes in Tehran. این هوای آلوده برای ولی اصر و درختهای فرسوده برای پیروز و اعتمال انقرازش برای سکهای بیگناه ممنوعه برای گریه های بیوقفه برای تصویر تکرار این لحظه برای چهره ای که میخنده برای دانش آموزا برای هاینده برای Jesus. 
شبای طولانی برای ورسای حساب و بیخوابی برای مرد میهن آبادی برای دختری که آرزو داشت پسر بود برای زن زندگی آزادی song was out obviously it went viral um, and he got arrested and then he created he put this post that you know the west is taking advantage of this song and we know that he was probably being forced to um, you know put that post his song was taken down from his instagram and then we haven't heard from him we don't know what really happened to him Wow. It's a beautiful mm. song i posted it today mm. because you shared it with me and i listened and i thought wow that's really beautiful Yeah, and he wrote the song based on the tweets of people. Mm. So it is a song of people. Wow. Because people were saying, <clears throat> we're doing it for our children. We're doing it for the dogs. We're doing it for the pollution. We're doing it for women, life, freedom. Wow. We're doing it for women who wanted to be a boy so that they would have more rights. And he talks about all these points. And I have at least listened to it more than 500 times mm. because it speaks our heart and it speaks... Um, the issues that the human rights issues that people are experiencing over there. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's p- powerful stuff that's that's going on. I mean, we we had uh, you know, a, a recent similar movement here in the United States, right? That started with police um uh using too much power and authority. And um do you think uh do, do you see a parallel between the recent movement here right. and what's yeah. happening over there is it yeah. uh Is that a coincidence? Is that the <laughs> are, universe kind of put, you know, how, yeah. is the George Floyd of America? Yeah. We are saying yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that just happened not, not long ago. Mm-hmm. And, and here we have a similar situation happening yeah. again. Um, it's, Except it's a that this is happening pattern. in Iran. Yeah. Very often. It just happens yeah. that this move, this issue with Massa, this, um, the murder of Massa sparked this movement, but it's not Massa is, The story of Massa is a story of many women. This happens mm. very often, too often. For example, in the past two years, we have had the honor killing of at least hundreds of women. Do you know? Do you guys know what is an yes, honor killing? Yes, unfortunately. Could you could you uh, describe it though? Just yeah. To, for, so for it's basically listening? when a woman shames their family, male family members, because she gets a boyfriend or she does something that threatens their honor. And as a result, they have this whole ceremony where they kill their daughter, their sister in front of other male members to show that they did this honor killing. And we've had hundreds of that. Yes. And that is what is reported. So I'm sure that it's more than 100. Yeah, I've, I've heard this is um, a problem everywhere, even in places like Sweden. Um, there are cases of, you know, college girl and a college boy speaking to one another, not even engaging in any physical activities right. but just talking to one another and then the brother um murdering the sister i hate the term honor killing because it implies that the killing is honorable 
I prefer to call it shame killing. It, yes, absolutely. It is shame killing. It's, it's a shame, yeah. shame murder is really what it is. Yeah. It's awful. Uh, and it surprises me that in this day and age uh, today that we still have it happening so often. It's not a fluke. It's a thing that's a pattern that keeps showing up and that's uh, deeply disturbing because uh, I guess maybe it's the civilized part of me that wants to think that we're past that for the most part. We really aren't, though. No, so we not. need to pay attention to that. It's and this the is what reality. the women are fighting for. So a lot of people think that because the slogan is woman, life, freedom, then this is a feministic movement. It's not. It's a fundamental yeah. human rights movement. They're not even there. They're asking for their basic rights not mm -hmm. to be killed because they talk to a boy. Yeah. Um, they're asking for their basic rights to have sovereignty over their body. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, a lot, a lot of different groups are trying to hijack the movement. Mm. And what is really cool about this movement that's different is the power of social media because we now have the social media that we are able to see all the different news, all the different perspectives. So mm -hmm. then we can, it has created this checks and balances so we can really see all parts of the story instead of going with one story, instead of one news company manipulating us. Sure. We're able to see all the different perspectives and then again coming together and being united and knowing mm -hmm. that our only enemy is the Islamic Republic. Well, now, speaking of that, social media and all that, how is, you know, Gen Z or the Xennials um, significant in this movement? So the Generation Z, which um, are people who are mainly born in 2000s, are the people that are really leading this uh, movement, but they also sparked it because of their usage of social media because they're a lot better TikTok than us yes exactly instagram and all that and i feel that it was the power of social media that got the slogan zan zendegi azadi woman life freedom out from the funeral to thousands of people so now people are saying that across the country everywhere wow. um it's because they were able to use their social media power their the power of social media so much better than we would millennials and then the generation before us yeah, that, that would be ours. That's Generation X. Yeah, so the generation before hers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, just thought I'd point <laughs> that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a, a, a question that came up when you were describing the history earlier, you were talking about um, uh, the Tsar, or sorry, the Shah. I said the Tsar, I meant the Shah. <laughs> Same word, different language. Um, the element of him giving the right to vote to women, mm. how does that play in if he was basically a monarch? Was there a certain kind of a parliamentary system or something that he allowed for a certain amount of voting, or what was that? Well, before that, before he allowed women to vote, they didn't have the right to vote. Right, but I guess I I'm, think that they did have a parliament. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, so I was just wondering, what yes, do they yes. vote on? Mm -hmm. if, yeah. If but then again, you know, he controlled. He controlled the parliament, right? Okay. He so <laughs> he had he'd taken away the authority of a lot of other political groups. So it sounds a little bit like we have a situation. I mean, t this is grossly oversimplified, but um, you have um, kind of the worst of the worst, which is showing up in the form of this. Um, uh, religious, what do you call it, a theocracy, I guess, right. um, with its own agendas and human rights violations and all that. And then you've got this sort of gray area, kind of chaotic neutral guys, which, which are the, the Shah and the CIA in the U.S., you know, kind of who were somewhat, there was sometimes some positive things happening from them, but then there was also some 
kind of twisted secret stuff that was going on that was undermining that. So they're not, they weren't perfect either. And that gray behavior, that morally gray area behavior left the door open for this more extreme version of evil (laughs) and ignorance and control to put its, you know, heavy boot on Iran, right? right? But and that's then, because the culture already had there. The culture was religious to begin with mm. because the Islamic Shia ideas were already entrenched in the culture and in the, in the tradition. So during the time my great-grandma was alive, you know, she is married off when she was 14 years old to somebody who was 23 years old. And when she's married, she moves into her in-laws. And then her mother-in-law, um, they had a housekeeper, and in order for the housekeeper not to sleep with her husband, she makes her son, my great-grandpa, to marry the housekeeper. Not so, the first solution I would think of in a right, situation like that, but right, wow. But this is even before the Shah. Wow. So what I'm saying is that these ideas were so normal. Right. It was so normal for a husband to have multiple wives, to see another woman so that, you know, so... Um, so that um, she becomes a mahram to the family members. Mahram is a term that means that in, by Islamic ra- laws, it's okay for this person to show their hair mm. and to touch another male member. And um, so these, I- these ideas have been there in the culture. So that's why it was able to win because people had an inclination for it. And then my grandma's husband dies and then they tell her that if you want your kids, then you have to marry another brother of the husband who had passed. Wow. So she marries the brother who didn't want to marry her. He also didn't have a choice. And then her kids were taken away anyway. Um, well, and at that time, wasn't the legal age of marriage 13? Right. Back then? Right. That's why she got married when she was 14. And it was raised to 15 by what, the Shah or something? Yes, it was okay. raised higher. Did I hear, I, I could be wrong on this. I think, did I hear that it has even been lowered? No, I don't Since think so. Since then? Okay. okay, okay. Although I think that it happens <laughs> okay. in, you know, some small cities, but mm-hmm. not, I, I feel that the people are just much smarter today. Mm-hmm. So for the majority of the cities, this doesn't happen, but I'm sure it still happens in some cities that are less educated. But one of the things you mentioned earlier I thought was a really great um, thing to say is that um, there's a spirit of, I guess call it a spirit of democracy that wants to arise in the Iranian people. And that's been there for a while, right? Like like that, that movement of wanting to become more democratic has been there for decades, right? Yes. But this is this opportunity with where... Um, the violence and the wrongdoings and people standing up are bringing even more awareness to the idea that maybe the best solution for them right now is, is a completely different system. And you'd have to wipe out the old system in order to create a new one. It and needs to be a little want. bit apocalyptic in right. a way to destroy. And that's where the revolution part gets in. And this is where it gets bloody and it, where it gets yeah. messy. And, yeah. and, and uh, they've already killed so many people. I mean, I have this newspaper. This is just, I don't know probably one-fifth of the people who have died. But and this is like, what, 50 people here they're showing? Right, and look at their age. They're 12, they're 16, they're 14. They are m- minors. Yeah. They are kids that are being killed. And some of them, their face was not recognizable when the body was given back to their mm. family. 
because they were beaten so badly. And uh, there is this radical Islam law that uh, a woman, when she dies, she's not supposed to die a virgin. So then they allow them to be raped. And so one of these girls, she was. Uh, it was shown that she was raped before she was. She died. So it, when these women go out on the street, it's not just that they're going to be killed. That would be the easy part. They're being tortured. They're being beaten. They're being raped. Mm. Uh, their bodies is not given back to their family. And then their families are not allowed to have funerals for them. Hmm. Wow. This is like orders of magnitude of fucked beyond mm-hmm. recognition, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. Wow. So... Um, so what do we do? What, what, what can the rest of us do? Right? I mean, here we are. We're, we have this opportunity to share this story and talk about this, uh, this topic here on our show. But um, that's not enough. Right? I'm glad what, you what, asked. What else? I'm what glad you asked. Yeah. So for the longest time, if you see Iranian posting, Iranian people are posting, be our voice, be our voice, be our voice, hashtag be our voice. And that's because we want everybody to be posting about this and talking about this. We want everybody to call and um, email our representatives because we have to remember our representatives, our senators, they work for us. Mm. And the more pressure we put on them, the more they're going to uh, uplift this UN mechanism that's going to intervene to what is happening in Iran. We don't, war, we don't want any war with Iran. We don't want the U.S. to go and intervene in a way that is going to take over our oil and our resources. <laughs> we want United Nations to get involved and hopefully create um, a system where people can vote for democracy. Mm-hmm. But I think that is not going to happen if we can pressure Iran because we are seeing that when this unrest was happening in Iran, when she was murdered, the president of Iran, of Iran was in New York and he was trying to have a negotiation with the U.S. administration. And he was here. He should have been arrested when he was here, but he wasn't. Is this still uh, Ahmadinejad? No, this is Raisi. Okay. Yeah, so this is the new president who came in and he... Part of the reason that this all happened is because when he came into power, he made all the rules a lot more restrictive. Mm. And this is part of the reason that the Gashta Ershad or Basij that were out in the morality police was out getting uh, getting people, getting the woman, taking them into institution to be counsel to get counseling. And counseling is not friendly, I'm sure. No, I'm sure it's not friendly. And it's like taking you into a mental institution. Mm. And then what brainwashing you maybe. Yeah, and psychologically damaging you, torturing you. Right. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think when we talk about these kinds of upsetting situations, um, it can also be a little bit too easy uh, for the pendulum to swing too far the wrong direction. Right. And um, so in, in this situation, uh, this got sparked when this, this young lady was not wearing her hijab properly, right? Right. Uh, tight enough, you know, uh, however that is. Um, maybe we could talk about about the other side of that a little bit, right? Because I think there's a lot of people that hear this and then they might get the wrong impression that what we're saying is um, uh, things like that are bad, right? And, right? and we know that what this is really about, this is about people being able to make their own choices. Right. And as you can see, one of the things that women are doing are cutting their hair. And people are wondering, why are they cutting their hair? Why would you cut your hair? And it's because we are trying to say that it's not about the hair. We're not asking for us to show our hair. Mm -hmm. We're asking to have fundamental freedom, basic human rights. And and, and I just want to add to what you said, because I think um, just to to add some detail, I think the 
the feeling of um, a very conservative point of view might say, um, why are you so vain that you need to show yourself? And even though we might see that as completely ridiculous and um, not a good way of looking at it, there are still people who think that, who have a religious background, they're very patriarchal in their mindset, they, they like the rules, and then they may be even on the fence a little bit, but still think that these women just want to be showing off or something like that. Cutting the hair is a clear message that this isn't about me fucking wanting to show off because look what I just did. My hair is not the issue. Right. This is about having the choice, as you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. yeah. Not that hijabs are bad, mm -hmm. that it's a choice. It should be a choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're talking about freedom. So that means yeah. freedom to wear a hijab if you want to and freedom mm -hmm. to not wear it if you right. don't want to. Right, exactly. But it seems yeah. to me that majority of women in Iran, they don't want to. Mm -hmm. They're being forced to, and they've been being forced to for the past 40 years. You know, um, I don't like wearing a tie. I'm not wearing a tie right now, if you've noticed, Carlos. I've never worn a tie on this show. There are times in my life when I want the ability to go ahead and put one on. I'm going to something special, something unique. I want to wear a tie, right? Yeah. And um, I think that's what we're talking about here, right? Is, is, is you want to have the choice to be able to um, uh, take on behaviors that can honor your culture, honor special events, but to have the freedom to make that choice as to when you want to do it and when you don't want to do it. Right. Nothing wrong with a tie, right? But sometimes I don't want to wear one and sometimes I choose to wear one. Nothing wrong with a hijab. Sometimes there's a time a lady wants to wear one and maybe not, right? right? And um, I'm just curious, what are some other things or are there other things? Um, I know you've mentioned some things about the freedoms that are not, not there. Um, are, are there are there other things that could be brought to our attention that would be similar to that you know, in Iranian culture, like things that people that the ladies have to do or are not allowed to do? Maybe we could uh, bring up a few more. Right, mm. like for example, um, women in Iran they don't have the right to divorce. So if your husband doesn't divorce you, you cannot get a divorce. If your husband is a drug addict or he's cheating on you, for example, one of the issues is that they can legally cheat on you. There is a concept called sire, which means that you can have a second wife, you can marry someone for a certain amount of time uh, without having any consequences to them, which is, to me, it's a legal prostitution. And if your husband is doing that, you can't do anything about it. And we actually had a neighbor who was sire to someone, and the husband got her this place, and I think you know, the, the, the wife didn't know, or she did, but she couldn't do anything. Or the right to have um, to you know have custody over your children. That's also a whole ordeal. Yeah. Or if you want to get out of the country, you need the permission of your husband. We had this athlete. She was a soccer player, and there's a whole movie about her, where she, you know, she was separated from her husband, and her husband, in order to you know get back to her, he didn't allow her to leave the country to go and play soccer in another country. Oh, as a punishment. As a punishment. Mm. And these are the basic things that mm, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that it will change for a woman. Yeah, because, you know, um, I think being able to see your own children, right, is probably about the most sacred mm -hmm. right that a parent has, right? right? And, and, uh, and what about the children? What, what, what's their say in the matter? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so these are some pretty, pretty huge, significant things, right, that, that 
need to get ironed out. So that's why I wanted to talk about it, right? right. Because um, I think sometimes people think that it's this is about a cloth- clothing item. No, no, no. no. It's not about this a clothing item. It's more, more about yeah. senior more breadth than that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the fact that I had to wear this dress coat when I was six years old, pants and this long, uh, this long uh, dress that is supposed to be below your knee. What's that and uh, this is just a dress coat you wear in school. Oh. And uh, the scarf to go to school. I think that's child abuse. And the fact that I never learned how to ride a bicycle because it wasn't really appropriate for a girl. I mean, a lot of girls over there, they do know how to ride a bicycle. But I never learned because I was told that it wasn't appropriate for me. I think that's child abuse. Mm. The fact that I was so curious to talk to a boy because we were never allowed to talk to a boy. It's terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. Um, You know, it was looked down upon and it was a lot, there was a lot of shaming involved if you wanted to just talk to a boy. So it made you actually want more to talk to to a boy to see just how it is. Um, And there is still a lot of um, marriages that are happening that are forced marriages Mm. in a lot of rural cities, I'm sure. And we want women to have those rights. We want, and if you want to marry somebody, again, you have to have the permission of another male member, either your brother or your dad or your uncle. And you can't just go ahead and get married as a woman. Hmm. Wow. So, so if, if two people want to get married and that young lady does not have permission from another male, uh, a fa- it has to be a family yeah. member, mm-hmm. the, then, then the wedding doesn't happen. Right. And also, if you are uh, going out with your girlfriend or your boyfriend on the street, you can get arrested unless you can show that you are married. And this happened to me when I was walking down the street with my brother and we had to show that we were siblings. Otherwise, you would be going into jail and you have to pay a fee and you have to call your parents. Mm. And I have one of my friends, he talks about it was so traumatizing to have a girlfriend. It was so, he, was, um, he was arrested because he, he was wearing a shirt that had an English writing on it. And mm. like the guy at the police station slaps him in the face. They, they put you down as human beings. And this is not just happening to women. It's happening to women more, but it's also happening to men. And it starts early, right? I mean, I think you told me um, there is truth to the... the we, we hear these stories about um, uh, in, in countries like Iran where you're told to, in a sense, um, put down America or spit on a flag or right. those kinds of things. Right. Can you tell me about a little bit of what was it they, they expected you to do as a child? Um, so there were certain dates. I don't remember like Bisudoy Bahman or something where I guess it was their victory of the Islamic regime. And that was the day that they would burn the flag and they would have us walk over the flag. And every day, Every single day we went to school in the morning, we had to say debt to America, debt to Israel. And we didn't even know why we're saying it. Death to America, mm-hmm. death to Israel. Every single day they would make you say it. And if you didn't say it, you would be in trouble. Wow. Mm. And every time we had to go, we had to show our nails. And if your nail was too long, they would try to come and cut your nail, but they would do it in a way that it would hurt. And if you were showing your hair, they would hit you and they would you know, put you down and they would make sure that they will shame you. And I remember... This is one of my last memories in Iran. I just had become, I was just going into uh, high school and my mom was trying to put me down in this high school. And when we went there, I was wearing a sandal and I was having uh, nail polish and they didn't, they didn't allow me to go to that school because I had nail polish and my mom was like, great, like, I'm not going to put you to this school 
fuck this school. That's basically what she said. And <laughs> I was on. so grateful. I was like, she was like, well, we're going to go to America. So what difference does it make? But if, if I was a child that was supposed to live there, then I had to be deal with that. And I was going to not be able to go into a good school because I had nail polish on my fingers. Wow. If this doesn't disturb you as a person outside of Iran, um, hearing this story, then uh, I got to kind of wonder what's wrong with you. This is upsetting. This is disturbing. And uh, it should concern all of us who are free thinking or who attempt to be free thinking, at least, mm -hmm. and um, who appreciate um, just what it means to be a human being and to have the safety and the freedom to grow and do what is important to you as yeah. a human being, you know, to, to find your purpose. It's, they're absolutely interfering with people's rights to pursue their path, their, their purpose, their, uh, their will. And it's about as close to evil as I can imagine. That kind of ignorance is, I mean, I don't believe in absolute evil, but, mm -hmm. but the idea of that in the, in the philosophical sense, just, it's unacceptable. Yeah. Completely unacceptable. Another point that is might be mind-blowing is that if you're raped, it's your fault. Right. And the man who has raped you will not be um, going to jail. You will be. And you might even get killed because now you're not a virgin anymore. How um, do you win in a situation like that? Right. Yeah. And that's, this is why a lot of women are abused by their brothers, by their dad, by members of the family because you know most of the time rape happens by members of family mm -hmm. and they're not able to speak up because if they do they're going to be in trouble they are the one who are going to yeah. be in trouble yeah uh tara th there was um th you you mentioned something um about about prison oh, yeah. could could you could you um could you share what you wanted to discuss about that topic? i think this is the first time in history that people are worried about the prisoners because there was this huge fire on Evan Prison, and people were posting about it, and everybody was running towards the prison. And this is the first time in history that people are afraid for the prisoners, and they, want, they, <coughs> they, they don't want the police. The police are not safe, but the prisoners are. And this is because Evan Prison is not a normal prison. It's a prison that it uh, ha houses political activists, journalists, mm -hmm. artists, um, regular people who have been, you know, going into this protest, some of American hostages that they're holding so that they can get money from America. Uh, that's the, and this is why when it was on fire, we still don't know why it was in fire. They were saying that the prisoners caused the fire, which we think they're lying because they tend to lie a lot about a lot of things. Um, it seems like a lot of people were killed and there were sounds of shooting and uh, explosion coming from the prison and we don't know what happened in the prison. We still don't know. Um, there, apparently there was an unrest by the prisoners, but we still don't know what happened. They reported that only nine or eight people have died, but we're hearing from the prisoners that it was a lot more than that. And they were actively mm. shooting people mm. inside the prison. Wow. And these are, you know, for example, one of the things that happened was that there was a protest in Sharif University, which is, you know, you can only go into this university if you're a genius because you have to pass a lot of tests in order to get there. So in it's Iran, like an MIT kind of thing. Right. So in Iran, you can't just choose a major and go to a university. You have to pass a test in order to go to a university. And the mm -hmm. public universities such as Sharif, you have to have a, you have to have a very high score. So it's a place where it houses our genius as a students. So what they did is when the university, there was an unrest in the university, they closed down all the, all the doors in the university and they arrested everybody who was inside. And they 
took them to the Evan prison. So this is why this is so concerning, because we f feel that they're killing our geniuses. Wow. Wow. Um, Iran is, um, uh, from what I understand, um, a, a, a very a well-educated society in general, yeah. right? Could you yeah. talk about that? What, what, is, what is, you know... Um, uh, like, for example, here in the U.S., we know that there's a public school system and people go to school. And, you know, like I, I've been to countries where not everybody reads. So think about what that means for a street sign. Right. We take that for granted. Well, there's a sign right there. Well, everybody in this country, for the most part, reads. Right. There are places where it's not like that. What is Iran like? Iran is has a very educated population. I don't know anybody who can't read. I actually don't know any of my family members um, who are close to my age or around my age who doesn't have a bachelor or master degree. Yeah, so it's a very well-educated society. Yes, yeah. very well-educated. But in, unfortunately, uh, the unemployment rate is very high right now, mm -hmm. which I think has also one of the reasons that has re led into this unrest. Mm -hmm. So, so what I, I guess my, my, my point is we, we have um, uh, a well-educated society that's being oppressed, that um, has high unemployment, right? Those are the ingredients for a revolution, right? Yeah. <laughs> because um, these are not ignorant people that are complaining. These are well-educated, intelligent people that understand the difference between uh, what humans deserve just by being born human versus what they're getting. Right. Um, so uh, why is Iran such a well-educated country? I mean, um, Maybe it's a silly question, right? But it seems to me that you've got a place where um, a lot of these things that we're talking about that are uh, so hideous, right? It's harder to do that to people that are educated. I think one of the reasons is because Shah created this campaign against illiteracy. And during his, um, during his time, a lot of kids were sent out. He actually sponsored a lot of kids to go out into other countries and get education. Um, a lot of my great uncles were all sent into Europe and America to get education. So I think he started it. But I think in general, in our culture, it's something that you're forced upon. You either become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Yeah. Um, that's basically our culture. Or a dentist, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a culture like that. Um, my grandma has her, you know, she finished high school. If there are women who are not educated, it's because their husband didn't allow them to go to school. But they all had an aspiration of wanting to study. And these are some of the women I know in the family that they wanted to finish their school, but their husband didn't let them. And that's because, again, the government gave them the right not to, uh, to have that much control over mm. the woman and for it to be okay in the culture to not let your wife work. But... Iranian women, they have a lot of aspirations. In Iranian people in general, they're real, very well educated. Most of the doctors I know here are Iranian. I think it's just really deeply within our culture that mm -hmm. we really care about education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tara, how, how does... Uh, uh, several years ago, there was this green movement, and there right. were riots and protests and things like that. Um, can you just briefly describe the difference between that movement and, and really where this is moving? That movement, they were asking, the people who were protesting, they were asking f to, for a reform within the government. They didn't want any kind of foreign intervention. They didn't want any war. They wanted the government to just go through a reform. So they were reformists. And um, Musavi, which was uh, a 
previous prime minister, he was running for presidency, and then when Ahmadinejad was the one who won, people knew that they must have cheated into the election. Yeah, and that because right, who likes that guy? Right, exactly. <laughs> President so Ahmadinejad. Yeah. <laughs> so that caused a lot of unrest. But at this point, what is different? This movement, they don't want any kind of reform. They are done. They're like, let's. They are, yeah, they are saying that we are clean done. the slate. Yeah. They are saying no to the Islamic Republic. So if if. I mean, even from a from a purely self-centered American uh, political um, standpoint, it makes sense to back this. It makes sense on that level. If you took out the the need for human rights and just look at it from the, you know, um, you know, American extremist kind of point of view, selfish, strategic, absolutely. Yeah. Even from that level, it makes sense to support this because whatever outrage has been generated. Um, by the unfortunate deaths of all these people, including um, Masa Amini. Um, inside of that painful suffering, I guess you could say, is an impetus or like a crack in the wall where democracy could potentially form. So the more we really see this as um, something beyond a feminist thing, as a human rights thing, as a as a a potential dark moment or broken moment that allows for the light of a whole new path to get in there. It makes sense to support it. It makes sense to... Yes, it does, but I can't wrap my head around it because we're not. Yeah. Because we're supporting Ukraine that has Iranian drones attacking them. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, we supported South Africa when they were going through their thing mm -hmm. and we're not supporting Iran. I hope that will change. Because I think that in order for this movement to move forward, it's going to need help. Yeah, they can't do it by themselves. They're not armed. They don't yeah. have the funds. Yeah, like to they were talking it. about. So when, because their their internet is shut down, you know, that's yeah, another that's huge. issue that is happening. And then uh, Elon Musk said, "Okay, I'm going to provide a Starlink, but in order for you to connect to Starlink, you need a dish." And then how are you going to get the dish in Iran True. when there is sanctions? Well, and Elon Musk, I mean, love him or hate him, but he's. He's definitely trying to do this thing with Starlink. I mean, that's a big deal. That would change everything if that could happen. Right. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, have they made any progress in that? I mean, No, no. It seems like even, you know, even the first two weeks of the Masa Amini's protest, I saw it. I saw an article online that Biden was still saying, let's negotiate. Hmm. And this is why in when he was when he came here into Irvine, we went there and we were we were saying it, no deal with Iran. We don't want you to deal with Iran because if you deal with Iran, if you deal with Iran and if you negotiate, we're going to sustain them. Well, and there are things that that our government can do, uh, despite them claiming that that's not an option. I mean, they could seize bank accounts and investments. I mean, we could put trade embargoes and pressure yeah. on an economic level, which yeah. would not be fun for Exactly. Uh, and one of the things Iran. that we're seeing is that a lot of the kids of these mullahs, of these ayatollahs, they live among us here in America freely. And we're at least asking, deport those people. Yeah. Because they don't <laughs> allow, you know, my brother-in-law to come here because, you know, in Iran, all men, they have to serve uh, two years of military. And yep. because he was in this military, I think that's the reason he's not getting a visa and he's been living in Sweden for so many years. But, uh, so, but then they allow people that are working, kids of the people that are working for the Islamic regime to yeah. be here and live freely. So I don't get that. And I've, I really hope that, that at least that is something that's going to change. Close down the embassies. 
Mm-hmm. Why are we not closing down the embassies in other areas of, um, well, in the U.S. we don't have it, but in Europe? It's the WIFM con- concept. You know WIFM, what's in it for me? Mm. Right. I mean, whenever I think about not being able to wrap my head around something, I always step out of the box and go, wait a minute. Um, what is motivating them to, to be lackadaisical about it and, and sluggish in response? It's not hurting whoever's in power enough yet. But if there can be a, a parallel or at least um, a connection made between how this is really going to serve America, how this is going to, then, then maybe you have a, like a room for a negotiation right, to get people. But I think it people. will serve America because Iran yeah. is one of the groups, um, well, not Iran, but the Islamic Republic is one of the groups that is sponsoring a lot of terrorist groups here in the Middle East. Yes. So, that's Mujahideen, yeah? Uh, not Mujahideen, no, no, just, you know... Um, Hezbollah is one of them, right, in Lebanon. Um, A lot of these terrorist groups are being sponsored. And the drones in Ukraine are Iranians. And they have a lot of deal with China and Russia. I mean, if our democracy, we we need to protect democracy, because if we don't protect democracy, Mm -hmm. these three dictatorship governments, they will unite against us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Putin is already talking about the nuclear war. So I, I think that we do there is benefit into supporting this movement. I agree with you. Um, again, it's, it's like it gets, it gets to be a, um, a thick uh, jungle or something trying to navigate and figure out why the motivations are there. But I think uh, it's huge economic investments that we Absolutely. have in the Ukraine, which is what's motivating that. I mean, Biden's own sons have investments, you know, in, in the right. Ukraine. And, um, and I don't know what we have... Um, equivalent to that in in Iran because they're on their own banking system, right? You know, right. so that could be also part of the issue as well. Yeah. I, mean, I, I won't be able to wrap my head around as it. much as that sucks, yeah. you know. Um, and you know, maybe the more Americans who really see the point of what we're talking about in this show, the more that voting pressure increases, and the more people decide where to spend their money differently, and it can have that effect of maybe like you said, putting pressure on local um, representatives and, you know, how we vote. Especially because we are going to be voting soon. Yeah. So this is a special, this is a special Mm -hmm. time that we could really make a difference for people over there. So I'm asking everybody who's watching, who's listening, be our voice. Because when a collective woman, somewhere other part of the world, they're free, we're all free. Mm -hmm. This is a fight for democracy. We need to defend freedom. Yes, we do. Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's pretty evident in this conversation that um, the basic, simple, everyday freedoms that that we all enjoy every morning when we wake up um, uh, are the very same daily freedoms that um, a chunk of humanity doesn't have right now. It's real simple. We just want them to have that. They're wanting that right now. It's exactly the same thing that um, it, it's the same goal that we have. That's a real easy goal to support just for, you know, some other humans in another part of the world to just wake up and, you know, my sister doesn't need my permission, you know, to go out in public. You know, I mean, th- these are these are these are simple, simple things we're asking. Right. So for everybody who's listening to this, um, uh, Iranian people and Americans right now pretty much want a very simple thing. So. We can back that. Let's back it. You know, yeah. that's easy. And if so. anybody wants to know what should I write in my email, what should I say to my representative, contact me. I'll send you. I'll copy and paste the email to you. I give you the names of your representative, your senators, your congressman and woman, 
and go ahead and email them because I think that they may not listen as much to me, Iranian Americans, as they would listen to American people. How do they get in touch with you? Um, they can contact me with my email, drdr.tararasta at gmail.com. That's easy. Right? I <laughs> yeah. hope so. Easy enough. And yeah. we can even put it in the link okay. as well. That's perfect. Uh, one, one more thing I wanted to touch upon just briefly. Uh, I read an article <clears throat> about Anonymous, the, the hacktivist group. Right. Uh, they have their hashtag um, Op Iran. Operation Iran. Yeah. And, um, you know, what are they doing to um, have some kind of an effect on, on all of this? Well, some of the videos that we're seeing, they're very fun, is all of a sudden their Seda um, Osima, which is like the national TV gets hacked. And all of a sudden there is a picture of a woman taking off her hijab. <laughs> or or we're seeing um, there is like blood coming out out of Khamenei's eyes. And it's showing <laughs> that this is a murderer. Um, some of the banks are being hacked. Um, uh, and I was I was very I wasn't sure if this is real. So I would go into the website and I would see not only it's hacked, but there is a message to the government that would that from is anonymous. asking from anonymous right. to uh, to leave the to give freedom back to the people of Iran. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if they're real, uh -huh. but I know that they're helping. Even if even if it's just something that is motivating people, that some some outside source is helping them, it's motivating people. Yeah. And I uh, I follow them. So they're constantly writing down about the different protests that is happening in Iran. And they're uh, aler alerting people about different applications that they may download. And then the government is getting their information. So I feel that I hope they're real. And if yeah. they are, I hope <laughs> they continue to help Iran. And at least by just checking some of the websites that they said they hacked, I wasn't able to access those websites. So I feel that they are. Yeah. But again, sometimes I'm like, are they really these people? Like, are they really spending their time to help Iran? Mm -hmm. I hope it's true. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, I suspect that they are. Yeah. And uh, however little that may influence things in the end, any little bit counts. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I signed a petition recently. I don't know how much of an effect that will have, but um, if you're curious about this, uh, you know, you could probably just simply Google, um, you know, Iran protest, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Petition. Petition. Thank you. Uh, and you'll find probably several that you right. can pass along to your friends, sign, etc. And it's just a show of support. I mean, that's something. But yeah. what else can they do? I think that the use of social media is really important because I think there is still so many people that I talk to that they still don't know what is happening. Yeah. And I think just s spreading that awareness is really, really important. If that's, the, that's the least that you could do. That's the least that you could do to spread the news and use your social media for the rights of people in another region who don't have basic human rights and who are being killed on the streets, they're being raped, they're being tortured every day. While we're speaking right now, somebody is getting killed, somebody is being tortured, somebody is being raped. And one of the cool things about this movement is it's leaderless. It doesn't have a leader. You were saying even children are getting involved, right? Children are getting involved. A lot of the people um, that it's showing on this magazine, they're children. They're 12, 14 years old, but they're doing it for us. They're doing it for my son to be able to go back to uh, Iran, to his motherland. And I'm really excited. I keep visualizing that day for me to go back. I've always wanted to go to Iran. Well, I can't wait to me host too. you guys. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't think we'll be going this year, but yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to earn it. It'll be a fun road trip. Yeah. yeah. 
um, well, so it's a leaderless movement. Um, so I guess, the, could we say that awareness is the leader? Yes. There we go. Okay. And the unity, the unity between all those ethnic groups, the unity between people, and always coming instead of, because again, the, the movement is trying to be hijacked by a lot of different groups, but at the end, I'm seeing that people are coming together, and we know that our one enemy is the Islamic Republic. And as long as we're united against the Islamic government and republic, then we can figure out once they go, their, once their fall is happening, then we can you know, decide on who's going to be a leader and what we're going to do next, and the people of Iran should be the ones deciding that. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And even though this podcast is not about these type of stuff, and even though I don't like to talk about this kind of stuff, but thank you for having me because I have changed as a result of this movement. And I'm not going to stop to talk about it until I see the fall of the Islamic regime. been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Tara Rasta. If you want to get in touch with Tara, you can find her at dr.tararasta at gmail.com. My name is Oliver Altine. I produce the show. Please remember to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media, and you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thank you for listening and have an authentic day.